You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. I want to preach to you today on a very simple topic, prayers of victory. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you victory today? Are you, are you victory? Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. That was like a quiz. I was just testing what you were like. Are you victorious today would be the way to do it. Wow. It's good to hear you all the way from Cardiff there shouting. And uh, I want to talk to you about the passion and prayer of a righteous person profits much. There's so much spoken right now in society about profits, about money, and we can actually lose sight of the fact that profit is to add to. And you need to recognise that here what God is wanting to say is that we don't want a church that just prays. We won't want a church that just is in the religious form of prayer. We need to understand that our prayer has power. Our prayer can change things. And therefore we gotta pray as if God is gonna use us to do something great. Part of this message was inspired by the fact that I've seen personally in the meetings and things we've been involved in the last 12 months, three people get out of wheelchairs. And, and, and I started to think, why does that happen in the third world, but doesn't so often happen in the first world? And, but one of those three actually took place in Sydney, Australia. I was preaching just a few months ago in Sydney in our campus there, and it would be like speaking in Chester campus. And as I was speaking, I was actually um, just in the altar call. And as I was praying, I could hear this noise in the background going like a noise of, ah, ah like that and I thought it was actually a baby but I found out later it was a 26 year old woman who was in a wheelchair that actually had to have a laying back because she would have some gag problems and and so she came to church regularly every week with a carer and on this occasion she has an automated wheelchair and they've never done it with her wheelchair but she started to pull the wheelchair and push herself to a standing position the carer didn't want her to stand because she couldn't stand she'd never seen her stand she she wasn't able to and the lady pushed her away stood up and pulled the chair away and it was the first time that they know she stood so don't tell me it happens just in the third world God has the power to heal people right here today he can come through in your circumstance he can come through in your family he can come through in your body today we believe in prayers of victory in Jesus name In the book of James chapter 5 and verse 15, it says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore I confess, sorry, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Notice it's important here that prayer isn't just for yourself. So often we get consumed with talking to God. That's one form of prayer. But prayer is to stand together. We've got to recognise that we actually pray with each other. Prayer is powerful. And, and, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I put my own thing together there and it's the passionate prayer of a righteous man, prophets, 
much. Are you a righteous man, woman of God today? In verse 17, it says, Elijah was a human being. Turn the person next to you and say, I think you're a human being. Uh, We're all human beings. He's basically saying he was a normal man, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Can you imagine if you had this prayer gift here in Manchester? I think you need it in Jesus' Name. And the heavens, uh, sorry, and so, and, and it did. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Oh, that's like revival in this country. And then uh, again in verse 18, He prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crop. I love this because it's saying a human, just a man prayed and he prayed with a powerful prayer, a prayer of victory. And what happened? He actually stopped the rain. Then he prayed again and he started the rain. On my office wall, I have a passage of Scripture, it's from a passage of Scripture and it's 1 Kings chapter 18, it's talking about Elijah. And Elijah, the Bible says that he told the king to go and eat and drink because he could hear the sound of a heavy rain. But there'd been a drought in the land, which he'd caused because of his prayer. But he's sitting on a rock and he sends his servant out. And, uh, and, and, and the whole point of this passage of Scripture is showing us that we've got to speak things that are not as though they were. We've got to dare to believe that God hears our prayers and He's gonna answer them. Romans 4, 17 says, speak the things that are not as though they were. Today, what are you doing when it comes to the power of prayer? I was reminded of a story when I was preparing this message. And the story goes that, a man was at a medal ceremony receiving a medal for bravery. He'd, he'd rescued personally 30 people in war and they, their life was saved because of him. What had actually taken place was he was in trench warfare and trench warfare, the, the, your, your, your line was here in the, in the trench. Then you'd run over no man's land. It usually would be three to 500 metres. Then there'd be another trench and that would be the enemy's trench. It's where we get the, the thought or the saying of uh, taking back ground. It's actually, they'd run and they'd take back ground that back from the enemy. And so, but the point was that the captain would call and he'd say, three, two, one, and then a whole wave of men would get up and run with their guns. But most of them wouldn't even make it halfway before they'd been shot or maimed or killed. And then they'd bring another force and they'd run over those dead bodies and get to the point. So when we think of war, let's never get caught up with war like this. It's about people. And that's why it's so great that we pray for what's happening even in the earth today because we don't want people to be affected like this. But this man ran up to no man's land after they, you know, they were still at war and he saw maimed and injured men and he ran up and he grabbed them. He pulled some back, he put some on his shoulders and over 30 men he personally saved and they were living because of his bravery. As they honoured him, he walked out of the building. He walks out and as he does, a man comes up to him and says, Sir, I just wanna talk to you for a moment. I was in the same trench as you and I watched you just before you went to rescue each of these men. And he said, I observed and I've always wondered why, but you looked, it seemed like you were looking at your watch before you ran, you'd wait and then run. He said, oh, I didn't know anybody noticed. He said, the reason I did that is because my mum said, on the half hour, every half hour, while it's light, I'm gonna pray uh, for at least five to 10 minutes that you'll be okay. 
And he said, I was timing my watch to make sure that when I ran up, I knew my mum was praying and I knew that I would therefore be protected. There is power in prayer. We need to recognise the prayer of victory today. But it says this in John 1, or 1 John 5 verse 14. This is the confidence. I love that word confidence. I don't know if you have confidence today, but I wanna build your confidence. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask for anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Oh, I love this. Today, where is your confidence at? Where's your confidence at today? Because church, it's not the ability to believe. It's not the ability for God to come through with what you're believing for. It's your belief that is the faith that gets turned into things hoped for. Today He can come through for you. But the question is, where is your confidence? Maybe your confidence is low today. Let me build your confidence for a moment. I was recently in Africa. Any Africans here today? Ooh. I love Africans. I was in this country called the Kingdom of Eswantini. And uh, it's a little kingdom surrounded primarily by South Africa and uh, uh, 1.3 million people. And I went out to dinner with the, the princess and the Bishop of Bishops and, and the Speaker of the House and the Chief Justice. And, and when the Speaker of the House walked in, she was a classic African lady with a yellow dress on. It was cool, like I'm talking seriously cool. Hair that was like, woohoo, that was awesome. I loved it. And anyway, she, she comes up to me and she speaks to me and she's got a voice like straight out of a Disney movie. I'm, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't put it in any other way. And she says, welcome to the kingdom of Eswantini. And as she said it, I laughed. I know that's not appropriate, but I laughed. And she said, she sort of looked at me. I said, you sound like it's a, some sort of Disney movie. And she goes, exactly. And uh, we got on really well. She's a great lady, but... But I was there and then I went from there up to um, Kenya and met with the First Lady of Kenya and uh, talking about some of the things we can do as the church in social reform in some of these countries. 67% of Eswantini is under the age of 25. 72% of 61 million people in Kenya are under the age of 25. There's a crisis on earth with the next generation coming, but guess what? Churches like ours have the power to bring change to those people. You know, when you see mission trips up on the screen, don't just go, oh, it's a mission trip. Go, I wanna go and change the world. I wanna be a part of seeing something happen. And anyway, so, so I was there and I was there with our campus pastor from South Africa. His name is Fabian. And Fabian had a tragedy take place, something that most of us would dread to happen in any way, shape or form, particularly with kids. And his, his daughter, he, uh, and uh, her name is Faith, which is appropriate um, now when you hear the story. But Faith, going back seven years ago, they came back from their holiday, six years ago, they came back from their holiday and Faith had walked out, uh, crawled outside. She was under the age of one at the time. And they were just got back from their trip. So they're unpacking everything and and she got out the back door and they had a pool without a fence and she crawled into the pool. And they don't know when she went in there, but she crawled in and she, they found her face down in the pool and was blue. She, she'd been dead for some time, they're not sure how. They then tried to revive her for 52 minutes 
And they came to the conclusion as the ambulance arrived that they couldn't. The ambulance, they put her in the ambulance and as they did, the ambulance found a slight pulse. So they put on the machines and they did what they did, but they were told on the way to the hospital that this girl, even if lived, which was highly unlikely, she would be brain dead and, and have no function. And of course, Fabian rings me in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. It's the middle of the night in Australia and he's telling me and we're praying and believing God. But I wanna tell you, I put the phone down and who knows that your confidence can drop in those moments. And so, so he goes to hospital, they put her in an induced coma. And they say, look, at the very earliest, she'll come out in five days, maybe seven to 10. And more than likely, you'll see it in her eyes the moment she wakes up, that she has no function uh, and she, she's dead. And, and, and basically the doctor said, we've never seen a child recover from this situation. So let me show you the first photo of Faith as she comes back to life uh, seven days after she's been in induced coma. She's sitting there and if you look at her eyes, even you and I uneducated can look and go, there's something about her eyes that says that there's life. Well, I wanna tell you that it was only another seven days and this next photo was taken and here's, Here's Faith. And that photo there with the little jacket on that a lady in the church took 14 days, which was interesting because 14 days, she, she finished it the day that they took it to the hospital and she made it because she said, this is my faith journey that she's gonna wear it out of the hospital. And she walked out of the hospital that day. Now, you look at her and you go, what a cute little kid. Well, I wanna tell you, she is a sassy little girl now. Okay, she turned seven in May, here she is, have a look. Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. And, uh, and Faith is doing incredibly well, top of her class at school. She has been completely healed. Am I building your confidence today? You see, each one of us has something that God's done in our lives, in the life of our family. But if we're not careful, we can go from the position we're in and how we feel rather than who God is. 20 years ago, I was pastoring a church in Perth, West Australia. And I, I, I literally had a, a week of prayer and fasting. The whole church prayed and fasted. And we were believing for incurable diseases. And there was 19 people on a list that were in our church that had been told that they couldn't be cured of a disease. Some that were gonna die, some that were gonna have to live with something quite serious for the rest of their life. But we were believing we were gonna see those things. Come to the Sunday and it was the Sunday night we were gonna pray. So there's a big crowd comes, but about a hundred of us got into a room at the side for about half an hour before the service just to set the atmosphere. And I've got a, like a, a whiteboard and I've written all the names down. And I get to the end and, and I say, isn't it good God's gonna heal these people? And then I hear this voice from the back, like a young guy, you know, one of those sort of, you know, always agitating type young people. And his name was Adam and Adam yells out, oh, pastor, pastor. Can I say something? And I said, okay. And uh, I'm thinking about building atmosphere and this guy could destroy it in a second. And, uh, and he says, Pastor, there's one person missing off that list. I said, who's that? He said, you. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, you've got a degenerative ankle problem. And the truth is I did. Every night I'd go to bed and who knows that when you've got something, sometimes you can accept something. And uh, this degenerative ankle problem, they told me that by the time I was in my early 30s, I probably wouldn't be able to walk without having some form of aid. And 
and, and, and yes, the church knew, but I didn't wanna become the focal point, partly because I was scared, what if I don't get healed? Isn't it amazing how we live our lives through the filter of what if we don't rather than what if we do? Understanding He wants to build your confidence today. So I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, Adam. And I write my name down, you know, like in doctor's handwriting, you can't really read what it is. And, and, and then I walk out, sorry to all the doctors in the room. And, and, and then I, I walk out and I, I, I go into the meeting. And during the praise, right at the start, I feel this, this sense of warmth in my ankle and I hear this voice say, you're healed. And I think to myself, oh, that's just the adrenaline. Isn't it amazing how we spend a whole week praying and fasting, believing, and it's easy to believe for you and for you and for you, but me? What does God wanna do in your life today? And so I, I got my finger and I put it right in the ankle joint that was a problem. Because I'd go to bed at night, the sheet on it, just the pain, just of a, the weight of a sheet, that's how bad it was. And, 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 and I couldn't feel anything. And I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on here. Um, no, surely I can't be healed. So then I think I'll get a pen or a biro and I'll get the pointy bit and I'll stick it in my, the doctor later told me you could have done more damage doing that than the damage before. But you know, when you're, when you're trying to work this out, you, you, you know, thinking straight, I turn around as I'm about to put there and there is this young boy, Adam, on the second last row. And he's looking straight at me. I'm like, why aren't you worshipping? Why are you looking at me? You typical little rebel, you know? And he's looking at me, he's going, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and I'll kill you. Anyway, and, uh, and, and, and then I put it, and I was totally healed. I ran up onto the stage in the middle of praise. I said, church, you're not gonna believe this. I mean, man of great faith that I am. And I said, but I, I've just, I just know that God's healed. I can't feel any pain. I haven't felt no pain for years. And here I am nearly 20 years later and God has healed me. I've got no problem when it comes to my ankle. I wanna build your confidence here today. He is the source of your confidence. He wants to come and He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. He wants to see your family come back to Christ. But I prayed. It hasn't happened yet, Pastor. I went to probably 30 altar calls with my ankle. Nothing happened, but I kept believing. I kept knowing that God is a God. His timing is perfect. He will come through in your circumstance. Speak things that are not as though they were, it says in the book of Romans. Come on, understand that today your confidence can be built. So where does your confidence come from? The Bible makes it clear, He is your confidence. You don't need to be confident in yourself. You need to be confident in Him. He is your confidence. The feeling, the belief that we have in faith that God is gonna come through in our circumstance. You see, I, I wanna read to you from the book of Micah, chapter two and verse 13. But before I do, Micah was a prophet who lived during a time of great social and political, really, corruption. Huge unrest in the nations at that time. Not dissimilar to what we live in today. You know, people were majorly disenfranchised and they neglected their responsibilities. They pushed aside the poor and wouldn't come and help. And Micah was an agitator, a prophet. He would speak into circumstances that people said he shouldn't. And, but what he was doing was speaking things that are not as though they were. We need to pray prayers 
that are prophetic today. In Chester, you need to pray prayers that are prophetic. In South Manchester, you need to pray prayers that are prophetic. In Cardiff, you need to pray prayers that God is gonna come through for you. And in Micah 2 verse 13, the one who breaks open the way will go up before them and they will break through the gate and go out. Their King will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. You see, we need to understand that the gate is simply a doorway to a new spacious place. I prophesy that you're coming into a new spacious place, but you've always got to walk through the gate and recognise that on the other side, there's opportunity for you. So we've got to recognise that you don't have to do it in your own right today. He is your confidence. He'll come through for you. Geneva, He's gonna come through for you today. He's gonna break something off your life. But the gate is a symbol, the barriers that are holding you back. It's, 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 it's a barrier. And, and so often there's barriers in our life, what we've been brought up with, how we've been perceived, what the doctor has said, what has happened in our marriage, the person that has been around our circumstances. You know, the, the, the fact that we lost our job, how can I be prosperous? But actually we need to understand that yes, He's our confidence, but He's also our deliverer. He's here to deliver us, to rescue us, to save us. That's why He's our Saviour. So whatever your circumstances, circumstances are today, He's gonna come through in your circumstance. He is, He is your deliverer today. And He wants to deliver you from whatever it is that you're going through. But you see, this passage of Scripture goes on and it actually starts by saying, the one who breaks open the way. A gate, a doorway may not be able to be open. It may be locked. It may be something that you just feel you can't get through. And I don't even advise pushing doors that aren't open. I believe that that's His job to do in our life. We should walk through open doors. And sometimes His timing is not our timing, but nevertheless, He's gonna come through for you. And so it's important to understand that He is our deliverer, but it says today that He's also the one that sets us free. He is our breakthrough. He's gonna go on behalf and break open things that don't seem to be open. How are you gonna get through that relationship? We're coming to Christmas. I don't know about you, but I love and hate Christmas all at the same time. Particularly when you go to a family lunch or afternoon. There's always one uncle, one auntie, one brother that you go, oh, I hope they don't come. I wish they wouldn't come. And they either drink too much or they've got an opinion on everything. Or, and, and you just know, you're almost waiting. Gee, this is a great Christmas lunch. And just as you say it, then they kick into that mode. But the reality is that we need to recognise that we have a God that can break down the things that we've even established are holding us back. One of the things that I truly believe and why we're getting asked to nations of planet shakers and one of my representations to you today here is audacious is that Planet Shakers is a ministry of breakthrough. We don't really plant churches, we run conferences. And the reason we run conferences is because Pastor Russell has always said that our purpose primarily is about bringing breakthrough to the church. So when we preach, we have a belief that breakthrough is gonna happen. So when I talk about the people in the wheelchair, I'm starting to say, well, God, You can break people's lives, whatever the circumstance. So use me as a breakthrough agent today. But remember, He is your confidence. He is your deliverer. He is your breakthrough today. And I believe whatever's on your life that doesn't feel like it's moving today can be shifted because He is your breakthrough today. 
Come on, believe with us. Come on, why don't we ride across all the churches online? Give us a great hand. Give the Lord a great hand today. He is your confidence. He is your deliverer. That's it. Come on, for a moment, let's praise Him. Cardiff, come on, praise Him. Come on, right there in Geneva, South, North, Manchester. Come on, let's believe that God is our breakthrough. But it says, so that the King will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. I love this. The King will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. He is in control. The King signifies a righteous ruler. We look across the earth today and in many settings, we see anything but righteous rulers. But make no mistake that God appoints and God removes in your circumstance, in your workplace, wherever it might be, trust in the Lord. He is your confidence. He is your deliverer. He is your breakthrough today. And and He's gonna come through. He has a great future plan for each and every one of you if you will allow Him to. The word that I get for your church today is very clear. It's a delay, not a denial. It's a delay, not a denial. Stop saying, God, why doesn't it happen to me and it happens to other people? You know, you've heard me say this before. It's something I believe with all my heart, but old people are slow. Sorry if you're an old person here today, but I'm getting older and it gets a little bit harder every year to get out of bed in the morning and get moving. And you should try and do four services on Sunday. It gets a little bit harder. But what you understand is old people move slowly. God's been around a long time. He's old. So stop complaining that He's taken a long time to do something. He's gonna come through in your circumstances. He's gonna be there for you. He is your deliverer. Oh, He is your breakthrough today. He is your confidence. So stop looking at your circumstances. Stop looking at the people around you and expecting them to come through for you. He's gonna come through in your circumstances. It's a delay, not a denial. But I wanna get the musicians to come because I wanna read you this Scripture and explain to you the context, the background and help you to understand that we can even today pray prayers of victory together. We're just human beings, but I tell you, with us standing together, needing each other and with the power and the presence of God, we can see things change in Jesus' Name. In Matthew 18 and verse 18 in the Message Bible, it says, take this most seriously. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. What you say to one another is eternal. I mean this, when two of you get together on anything at earth and make a prayer of it, I love this, listen to this. My Father in heaven goes into action. He's gonna go into action for you. He's gonna go into action for you. He's gonna go into action for you right there in Switzerland today. He's gonna go into action for you. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure I will be there. Here's the funny part about this Scripture. Jesus, it says in the New International Version, is in the midst. Consistently, Jesus is in the midst. But where two or three come together in my name, unfortunately, we don't see that happen. But we consistently see Jesus in the midst. Part of the reason I believe is because we haven't understood the context of the Scripture. It's not that there is an inability to actually see God come through in every circumstance. It's just we don't understand the unusual delegated authority that we've been given in the area of prayer. So the context of this Scripture 
Jesus is speaking to a crowd of Romans. The unusual thing about Romans is they believed in the country ahead of themselves. So in other words, they weren't hedonistic, humanistic. They weren't caught up on self-gratification. In this season, which actually only lasted in history for about 70 years in Roman history, they had the unusual power that if two of them got together on anything and went to the government of the day, they actually had the power to bring a proposition that the government couldn't overturn. Give you context. There's two ladies that feel like there's not enough play equipment in the parks in their area. They could come to the government of the day and say, we need to build a play equipment in our area. And the government couldn't actually say no. The government, all they could do was say, yes, here's the time frame within the budget that we have when we'll do that for you. But the moment the two came together as the unusual power, a citizen of the uh, the Kingdom of Rome, they had the ability to agree, go to the parliament and not be refused what they request because they were believing for something bigger than themselves. So the context, why is Jesus in the midst? He's not in the midst just to make us feel warm and fuzzy. He's not in the midst to make us like, wow, it's so good that Jesus is here. No, no, you miss the context. The reason He's here is because He is like the representative of the government of the Kingdom of Heaven. So when He's speaking to them, He's saying, I'm in the midst and I'm like the legal secretary that's walking around looking for contracts to take to the government of the day, my Father in Heaven, so that He will go into action. So in other words, if you buy a car, you might buy it today, but you don't pick it up for another three weeks. But when you sign the contract, it's yours. You don't get it for three weeks, but it's yours. So suddenly you understand that when you walk out of the car, you're excited because you're gonna get a car. You don't go, will I, won't I? No, it's legal. This is the context. When two or three come together in my name, I am in the midst to take the contract to my Father in heaven so that He can get busy about bringing it to pass for you. So today I want you to stand to your feet right across the campuses, stay with me. I'll hand you a campus pass in a moment, but stay with me because we're gonna learn the power of standing together. You don't have a family member right here, right now in church, whether you're here in Manchester, you're in Switzerland, you're in Wales today, whatever country you're in, you're watching online. If you're at home by yourself, believe you're with us. But one of the things that I love about going to the football here in Manchester is they do this crazy dance, but they actually put their arms around each other. And there's something so powerful about when they do it in the stadium. I don't even go for the team, but it's powerful. Because suddenly you can be all sitting in a room like this, but just by the power of human touch, you are suddenly together. You don't feel isolated and alone. The enemy's plan so often is to isolate us, but God's plan is two or three. Gather in my name and agree, anything can be done for those who believe. Jesus is walking around. He wants to write some contracts to take to His Father in heaven. He wants to see some things attacked here today, some things changed. So you've got family that are away from Lord. Everybody knows somebody who's away from God. Well, come on, let's believe together right now. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com.